We're going to go to Joshua chapter 7. All these messages I've preached in the last few weeks, they've kind of been leading up to this message. Because this message tonight, uh, or this story that we're going to look at, we're going to, we're going to read the whole story. But it is one of, I think, the saddest stories in all the Bible. It's one that when I, when you read it, boy, it just, it makes you sick to the stomach thinking about it. Uh, it's real easy to look at it and think, boy, this just isn't fair. You know, what, what's going on here? But, uh, Hopefully, you know, through some of the things that we've learned in the last few weeks, it'll kind of help us understand why God did things the way He did in this story. And it'll help us to really just see the problem with us sometimes when we look at the Bible and we would see, you know, the commands for God, when God would say, hey, you know, go wipe out this entire village or this entire nation, women and children. That sounds so harsh, and we're like, that's so mean. Or some of the judgments, you know, I think last week we talked about all the stoning. It's like, man, that's, isn't that kind of pushing it? Isn't that kind of hard? And the problem is, is we just don't take sin that serious. We don't think it's that big of a deal. And we really see in this passage how big of a deal it is. And hopefully, as we look at some things, it'll help you understand it. But let's start reading in Joshua chapter 7, verse 1. But the children of Israel committed a trespass in the accursed thing. For Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah of the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed thing. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against the children of Israel. And Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is beside Bethaven on the east side of Bethel, and spake unto them, saying, Go up and view the country. And the men went up and viewed Ai. And they returned to Joshua and said unto him, let not all the people go up, but let about two or three thousand men go up and smite Ai. And make not all the people to labor thither, for they are but few. So there went up thither of the people about three thousand men, and they fled before the men of Ai. And the men of Ai smote of them about thirty and six men, for they chased them from before the gate even to Shevarim, and smote them in the going down. Wherefore the hearts of the people melted and became as water. And Joshua rent his clothes and fell to the earth upon his face before the ark of the Lord until the eventide. And he and the elders of Israel and put dust upon their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, O Lord God, wherefore hast thou at all brought this people over Jordan to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us? Would to God we had been content and dwelt on the other side Jordan. O Lord, what shall I say when Israel turneth their backs before their enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land shall hear of it and shall environ us around and cut off our name from the earth. And what wilt thou do unto thy great name? And the Lord said unto Joshua, Get thee up, wherefore liest thou thus upon thy face? God's just saying, Joshua, stop throwing a fit. Get up. Israel hath sinned. So the Israel hath sinned. Wait, wasn't it just Achan that sinned? Wasn't it Achan that took the accursed thing? But God said, Israel has sinned. Notice also these men that went to spy out that land. Notice how they're like, hey, we don't even need our whole army. Let's just take two or three thousand. These guys, I think they learned the lesson from the spies in the past. They heard Joshua tell, you know, there was one time where me and 11 other guys, we went and spied out a land. And me and Caleb, we said, hey, let's take it. And the others said, no, man, we can't take this town. They didn't have any faith in God. And God caused Israel to wander in the wilderness for 40 years because of it. The only two men that were above 20 that made it into the promised land were myself and Caleb because we were the only ones that trusted in God. 
So these next spies, they learn their lesson. Hey, this isn't a problem. We can take it. These guys have faith. And they're like, we can do this. But they end up losing this battle. They end up getting chased away. 36, I believe, men it said, died in this battle. And Joshua, he's kind of throwing a little fit here. He's saying the things that the children of Israel were saying before. We just should have stayed on the other side of Jordan. We should have stayed in the wilderness. In verse 11, Israel has sinned. And they have also transgressed My covenant, which I commanded them. For they have even taken of the accursed thing and have also stolen and dissembled also. And they have put it even among their own stuff. Therefore the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, but turned their backs before their enemies because they were accursed. Neither will I be with you anymore except ye destroy the accursed from among you. Up, sanctify the people and say, Sanctify yourselves against tomorrow. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, There is an accursed thing in the midst of thee, O Israel. Thou canst not stand before thine enemy until ye take away the accursed thing from among you. Uh, probably in the next couple of weeks, we're going, to start, we're going to talk about curses and the, and the accursed thing. And you see throughout the Bible, there are curses that you can bring down on yourself and on your family. And it's absolutely devastating what it will do. And it is so important that you get rid of those accursed things. Many people have accursed things that are sitting in their houses. Many, there's many accursed things in church today. And people wonder why God doesn't seem to be doing anything. They can't. People, Families are wondering why they can't seem to find any happiness. Right? Because they, some stuff, they need to do some house cleaning. And that's what God told Israel. You've got to get rid of this. You cannot stand before your enemies if you have these accursed things. Verse 14, In the morning therefore ye shall be brought according to your tribes, and it shall be that the tribe which the Lord taketh shall come according to the families thereof. And the family which the Lord shall take shall come by households, and the household which the Lord shall take shall come man by man. And it shall be that he that is taken with the accursed things shall be burnt with fire. He and all that he hath, because he hath transgressed the covenant of the Lord, and because he hath wrought folly in Israel. So Joshua rose up early in the morning and brought Israel by their tribes, and the tribe of Judah was taken. And he brought the family of Judah, and he took the family of the Zarhites, and he brought the family of the Zarhites man by man, and Zabdi was taken. And he brought his household man by man, and Achan the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah of the tribe of Judah was taken. And Joshua said unto Achan, My son, give, I pray thee, glory to the Lord God of Israel, and make confession unto him, and tell me now, what thou hast done, hide it not from me. And Achan answered Joshua and said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and thus and thus have I done. When I saw among the spoils a goodly Babylonian garment and two hundred shekels of silver and a wedge of gold and fifty shekels weight, then I coveted them and took them. And behold, they are hid in the earth in the midst of my tent. And the silver under it. Notice, he took all this good stuff. He took this fancy garment. He takes all this money. But he can't do anything with it. He knows he's not supposed to have it. He knows it's accursed. He can't enjoy it. So he goes and he buries it in his tent. That's the way it is with sin. You can't enjoy it like you think you will. and You're just going to have to try to hide it and it's just going to lead to more problems. But it says in verse 22, So Joshua sent messengers and they ran into the tent. And behold, it was hidden in his tent and the silver under it. And they took out of the midst of the tent and brought them unto Joshua and unto all the children of Israel and laid them out before the Lord. And Joshua and all Israel with him took Achan the son of Zerah and the silver and the garment and the wedge of gold and his sons and his daughters and his oxen and his asses and his sheep and his tent 
and all that he had, and they brought them unto the valley of Achor. Notice that his sons and his daughters. And Joshua said, Why hast thou troubled us? The Lord shall trouble thee this day. And all Israel stoned him with stones, and burned them with fire after they had stoned them with stones. And they raised over him a great heap of stones unto this day. So the Lord turned from the fierceness of his anger, wherefore the name of that place was called the Valley of Achor unto this day. That word Achor, that name Achan, it means trouble. He that troubleth Israel. I mean, it just a horrible story about one man's sin and the consequences of it. And we see here his whole family is killed. Everything that he has, they're stoned. They piled the stones. They burnt them and they had a whole pile of stones that people would come by and they would look at that pile of stones and they knew why it was there. It was there and it reminded them of Achan and what he had done. But why does God deal with sin so harshly? Well, the first reason, and it's real easy to look at this thing, man, God was, God was a little too rough there. I think God should have just killed Achan and left everybody else alone. And there is a verse, I forgot to write it down in the Old Testament I was reading, where it says that the children shall not be put to death for the father, and the father is not put to death for the children, and that was in reference to murder. But notice, this, is, this isn't murder here. This is taking of the accursed thing. Curses are serious because what comes with what comes with these kind of sins, as what I talk call tonight, is the chain reaction of sin. These sins are ones that just you, you do one, and it's just going to lead to another, which is going to lead to another, and just more and more people. And we're going to kind of give some examples to kind of help you visualize this to just see why it's so important. But the first thing we need to realize is that sin brings a curse. On your family. You don't have to turn there, but Exodus chapter 20, verse 4, one of the Ten Commandments, Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. Notice he said, this is the iniquities of the Father. It's going to carry to the third and fourth generations. You know, fathers, the mistakes that you make, the things you get into some of this accursed stuff, it's not just going to affect you. We hear, you know, teenagers, they like to say when they're wanting to experiment with some of the accursed things, well, it's my body. I can do what I want. Yeah, it's your body. Well, Truth is, it's God's body. You've been bought at the price. But the problem is, it doesn't just affect you. It's going to affect your children, your children's children, your children's children's children. Third and fourth generation. Exodus 34, verse 6, And the Lord passed by before them and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth. Hey, that sounds pretty good there. Keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity, that sounds good in transgressions and sin. The next part, and will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children unto the third and fourth generation. That one doesn't sound real good. Numbers 14.18, The Lord is long-suffering and of great mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgressions, and by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children of the third and fourth generation. 
Deuteronomy 5.8 Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in earth beneath or that is in the waters under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself unto them nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate Me. Four times God makes that statement. Now when God says something four times, I prefer to put it this way, does that just mean God ran out of something to say? No. It's just He's trying to emphasize something here. Hey, you know, these people are kind of slow. I may put this in here again. You know what? They're still kind of slow. Maybe let's, and they, four times He puts it in there. Because sin will bring a curse on your family. It is, and listen, curses can be broken. Thank God for that. The curse can be broken through the blood of Christ. But without salvation, it's very difficult and it's very unlikely. Chances are the sins of the Father are going to be the sins of the sons. Now, sons, don't ever, you know, don't say, well, my dad did it, I have to do it too. Hey, if you're saved, you have Jesus Christ in your heart, you don't have to do those same things. But you're going to be, it's, it is more likely. The statistics are against you. Alright? As Christians, we're supposed to be victorious, we can overcome those things. But the truth is, it is something that's going to haunt you. It's something that's going to be there. It's going to be difficult. An infidel parent is more likely to raise infidel children. A saved parent is more likely to raise saved children. A drunk is more likely to raise drunks. And every example you can think of, it's just if it's it's just the way it is. Some people, uh, you know, whenever things get difficult, you know, the father, they'll turn to prayer. They'll turn to God for things. Some, they turn to the booze. They turn to the drugs. And their kids, they grow up seeing that. And you know, some kids, all they know is when things get tough, you're just supposed to turn to God. You're supposed to pray about it. Others, all they know is when things get bad, when things get tough, you go get drunk. You get high, whatever. That's all they know. And that's what they do. Their fathers don't realize that they're teaching them something that's going to be very difficult and then more than likely their children are going to do the same things. All of us, every one of us, we are all natural copycats. Every one of us. All of our personalities are a combination of our parents, our friends, maybe favorite television characters, or people that we just spend a lot of time with. It's it's so funny sometimes when you talk to uh, different family members of somebody that you maybe you've known for a long time. And it's like, oh, that's where they get that from. When we went to uh, Brother Don's funeral a few weeks ago, I met one of his brothers I, I hadn't met before. And good night, I could have met this guy anywhere in the world. And in talking to him in less than two minutes, I would have known it was his brother. I, I didn't, I didn't know it. They, they looked alike. They talked exactly alike. I mean, Brother Don, he always liked, to, you know, he always liked to talk about hunting and fishing, and he had some stories he could tell. They didn't always, you weren't always real sure. <laughs> I mean, they sounded a little too good to be true. And I'm talking to his brother, and it was, just, I mean, if he called me up on the phone, I'd have swore he came back from the dead or something. I mean, they sound that much alike. You know why? They grew up together. They came. They came from the same house. You know, they got some of the same genetics and things. Uh, you you can just kind of spot with people. There's preachers that you can tell who they were taught under, or who their their pastor was. There, there's one pastor I, I like to listen to. His name's Tony Hudson, and he's a real big guy. He's from down south, and boy, when he I mean he's he's pretty crazy sometimes when he preaches. A lot of fun to listen to. And I remember one time 
We went and we were in Tennessee and Gatlinburg on vacation, and we went and stopped in on a Sunday night at this Baptist church. We didn't know anything about it. We just saw on the phone book it said King James on there. So like, all right, it should be okay. So we went in there uh, to the service, and boy, that pastor he he preached just like Tony Hudson. I mean, there was just a few people there in the church, I mean, besides our family. I mean, there was probably less than two or three or two or three four other people. And he was expecting some lost folks to be there that night, and he had a salvation message, and it was all safe people. But that was what he had, and boy, he just let it rip that night. I mean, he—you'd have thought he was preaching to a thousand people the way this guy preached. I mean, that's kind of how Tony Hudson is, and you—you you could just tell. Found out, you know, found out afterwards. You know, I guess he was taught under him, or was from his church or something. I don't remember all the details exactly. But it was just—it was kind of neat seeing that. But all of us are like that. We all copy off things. Maybe you know some of our expressions we use. Uh, you know, they maybe some. You know, we got it from some television show we watched. I mean, all of us—we're all a combination of that. Different things they rub off on us. And you know, Brother Lonnie, he's rubbed off on me a little bit. Now I'm paranoid of the government. You know, <laughs> just uh, you know, I'm, my my kids are starting to get that way too. You know. And just, you know, we, we have fun with it and stuff. But, you know, you do. You rub off on each other. And sometimes that's good. Sometimes it's bad. And, uh, and so, in fathers, nobody rubs off on a son more than a father. Nobody rubs off more on a daughter than a mother. And so, uh, that's why these, you know, as a parent, boy, your responsibility is huge. I say all the time, you know, one of the hardest things in the world is to not be like your parents. And that can be a good thing. That can be a bad thing. If your parents you know, live for the Lord and do right, it's going to be hard for you not to do the same thing. You Now, it's possible. There's a lot of parents out there that are living for the Lord doing the right thing. Their kids turn out to be reprobates. But it's hard. I mean, they've got to do a lot of work to get themselves in trouble. I mean, they got to do all kinds of sneaking and plotting and planning. And listen, if they're bound and determined to do wrong, there's not much you can do about it. But then there's others that they want to do right, but it's so difficult at home. They have no good examples. And they can do it. It's possible, but it's going to be difficult. And don't ever, you know, don't ever use those things as an excuse, but the truth is, it's just how it is. And so we have Achan here who had children. He had sons. Says plural. He had daughters, plural. So at least four kids this man has. And chances are, had this not been dealt with right then and there, his kids would have done the same thing. They'd have grown up with this these accursed things in their house. If their father would have got away with it, they eventually those boys they'd have grown up and they would have been soldiers. And maybe when God told them to go through an area and, and to wipe them out, it's like, you know, our dad, well, he got he got rich off the battle that he fought when he took he took some of the spoils. It wasn't supposed to, but nobody ever caught him. Why don't we try the same thing? You know, it's amazing how many stories you hear about just absolutely stupid things that parents do that the kids do too. I told you the story here uh, before. I had heard in the news about a guy was in one of those snake handling churches and got bit and he died. And it's okay to laugh at that. The guy was stupid. <laughs> and, and, but the, what was crazy is the same thing had happened to his dad. His dad was a snake handling preacher in a church. Got bit and died. It's like, boy, why? You know why? That dad was cursed. 
I said, I don't know what all the curses are, but I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure when you're bringing a snake into church and a poisonous one and you're handling it and saying it's faith and all that, I'm pretty sure that's the accursed thing. And I'm pretty sure, I'm just pretty sure. I'm not going to mess with that at all. But, but Aiken's kids, obviously, never did those things, did they? So are you saying that we ought to, people that do bad things now to curse things, we ought to just kill their kids too so we can stop them? No. Thank God, we're under grace. We talked about it last week. We're in the business of restoring people. God was showing them how to have a holy nation and how to have a nation that doesn't have any problems. We are so far from that, it's not even going to happen. We're just supposed to go out there and try to rescue the perishing and care for the dying and do whatever we can. You know, Snatch them in pity from sin in the grave. That's what we're in the business of doing now. We're in a different time now. Things are different. We definitely, definitely do not need to be killing any children because of what their parents do. God doesn't expect that one bit. But also, another thing we need to realize though is that sin though does have irreversible damage to the innocent. Say, well, those innocent kids, they didn't deserve that. But, notice in verse 4 and 5, and we talked about this a little bit, but it says, So there went up thither the people, about 3,000 men, and they fled before the men of Ai, and the men of Ai smote of them about 36 men. Alright, so, we're thinking, we always think about Aiken's poor little kids. Alright, and they were poor little kids. But, this is, right here is where we start seeing just how bad sin is. Achan, Achan took of the accursed thing. Achan sinned. And because of that sin, 36 men died in that battle. Chances are, those men, they might have been husbands and fathers. I wonder how many children grew up without a father because of Achan's sin. I wonder how many widows there were because of Achan's sin. I wonder how many grieving fathers and mothers that there were of those young men that didn't do anything wrong. They went into that battle ready to fight. And the truth is, we see all the time innocent people getting hurt who've done absolutely nothing wrong. And a lot of times we try to explain it. And the truth is, we can't explain it. It's just something that we're living with on this earth because we are so far from the law. For example, look how many people are killed in drunk driving accidents all the time. Innocent people. People that are obeying the law. I mean, you know, men, women, and children just driving along. Having a good time. Happy. Not doing anything wrong. And some drunk who takes of the accursed thing. Alcohol, it is a cursed drink. For sure. That's an accursed thing. And they take it and they drink it and they get behind the wheel of that car and they kill innocent people. Maybe, I mean... Fathers, there's, I wonder how many orphans there are today because of some drunk. I wonder how many parents are without children now because of some drunk. We constantly see that the effects of sin are so devastating on people. I mean, you just think and just try to imagine what it would be like if you lost your children. If they were gone, imagine what that would do to your life. And to think that it happened because of one person's sins. That's pretty serious stuff. It's horrible. And it's something that people, they don't think about how sin affects other people. And Achan, what he did was horrible. I imagine the worst part 
of Achan's punishment. I can't imagine Achan standing there getting ready to get stoned and have to look at his wife and his kids who had nothing to do with it. And to see them going too. And the truth is, God was trying to show all of Israel. Every other father's watching that. Every other husband, they're looking at that and they're thinking, oh my goodness. I don't want that to be me. I imagine they had maybe the families of those 36 men that died standing there for everyone to see, for Achan and his family to see. And he's got to stand there and the last moment of his life is maybe looking at the family. The 36 families of the people who have lost loved ones because of him. To look at his wife and his kids who are about to die because of him. And I guarantee you Achan understood at that moment just how serious sin is. How serious one sin is. And but not all bad things that happen to people are because they sin. A lot of time when something bad happens, somebody, well, they must have done something really bad to deserve that. Not necessarily. We see that in the Bible. Not everything that happens to people is because of sin. There was the man in the Bible who was born blind, and the disciples asked, you know, Lord, who sinned? Was it this man or his parents? God said nobody sinned. There was no sin that resulted in that. Sometimes bad things just happen because we live in a sin-cursed world. But these sin, it does irreversible damage to the innocent. The men that were in these battles, that went into that battle, we talked about these guys, they had the right attitude. They weren't doing anything wrong. They had learned from those ten spies in the book of Joshua, or from uh, before they went into the promised land. They, they, they remember that story. They had the right attitude. They weren't doing anything wrong. You think about on 9-11. All those people who are just in the building, not doing anything wrong. They're there going just trying to make a living. They're there at work. People that are flying in the plane, maybe all excited, going to go meet somebody, going to go visit family. We have no idea all the stories of the 3,000 some people that died that day. Because of the sins of a few it literally changed our whole country. For the worse. Because of the sins of a few. Sin has chain reactions. Every day, people, they suffer because of other sins. We see you know, the drunk driving victims, uh, people murdered, aborted babies. I wonder how many of great leaders and great politicians we've aborted. You know, it's like, well, uh, you know, these, most of these people getting aborted, you know, they're from bad situations. You know how many of our great leaders came from bad situations? Who came out of poverty? Who came? You know, what if Abraham Lincoln's parents would have been like, you know what, we're poor. I know they didn't do abortions back then. What if they had decided to take him out? But they no. And I mean, I wonder how many people we've killed who maybe would have been the one to discover cures for cancer or AIDS or whatever. We, but. Who knows? The chain reactions are, are devastating. There's rape victims out there. People who are just innocent. Didn't, didn't do anything wrong. Some sick, perverted animal was out there and, and took advantage of them. We see these things every day. It's sin. It's absolutely devastating. But sin always starts a chain reaction of other sins. Go to Genesis chapter 4, verse 7. Every sin that you commit... It starts a chain reaction. Genesis chapter 4. Now, we all know what the first sin was. The first sin was taking of the forbidden fruit. Alright? That 
That, of course, was the first sin. And we know that eventually, years later, I'm sure there were some other sins in between. We don't know about, but there was one big one. We see we're going to look at the first murder in Genesis chapter four, verse seven. It says, "If thou doest well, thou shalt be accepted. If thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door, and unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him." And Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and slew him. He committed a terrible sin there. He murdered his brother. He'd have never done that if his parents hadn't sinned. I'm not taking responsibility away from Cain. He did the wrong thing. But notice how it starts a chain reaction because in verse four or in verse thirteen, and Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, thou hast driven me out this day from the face of the earth, and from the thy face shall I be hid, and I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth, and it shall come to pass that every one that findeth me shall slay me. Why would anybody want to kill Cain? Because he killed his brother. When you commit a sin against somebody, then they want to commit a sin against you. Or somebody else wants to commit a sin against you. It's never, it never just stops at the one sin. It starts at the one and it spreads to another. And the Lord said unto him, Therefore whosoever slayeth Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark upon Cain, lest any finding him should kill him. So God protected Cain. But Cain was worried. Cain understood, hey, I killed somebody. It's going to lead to somebody wanting to kill me. And that's the way sin works. It starts a chain reactions. David's sin of adultery. When David committed that sin with Bathsheba, he didn't stop right there. As a result of that, he needed to cover up that sin. She was with child. So he ended up killing her husband. Started out just with adultery. Ended up with murder. The truth is, it actually started before that. Bible says that it was a time when kings go forth to battle. But David's at home. He's not doing his job. As a result of him not doing his job, he was in a place he shouldn't have been. He sees something he shouldn't see. He does something he shouldn't do, which caused him to have to end up committing murder, which resulted in him losing four of his children. David brought a curse on his family when he did that. Nathan the prophet told him, you're going to pay fourfold. David actually cursed himself. David kind of beside his own punishment without realizing what he was doing. And those sins were horrible. Absalom rebelled against them. Absalom led the kingdom. Many died in that battle. Absalom died, who David loved. Broke David's heart. The child that Bathsheba was going to bear, she ended up dying at birth. That was a result of David's sin. David's son raped his own sister, Tamar, which angered Absalom. And Absalom ended up killing Killing his brother. I mean, it was just horrible. All these things, a chain reaction of events that started from one sin. And so we see throughout the Bible just the way sin works. And so that's why in the Old Testament, God was trying, and with Israel specifically, God is trying to show them how to have a holy nation. How to have a nation that really, I mean, is living in the closest thing on this side of heaven to paradise. How to have the perfect government? How to have everybody can have the perfect life? And you know, we see that we just we can't do it, and it doesn't give us a license to give up and say, you know, well, forget it. No, we also we need to see how serious sin is. It causes serious consequences. 
But sin, it does, it brings devastating consequences. And when we read the story of Achan, it shouldn't cause us to get mad at God. That's what everybody does. But what it ought to do is because sin's not God's fault. God doesn't make anybody sin. But what it should do is it should cause us to get mad at sin and what it does. And then just beg God for mercy because we've all contributed in one way or another. Everybody gets mad at God. We ought to get mad at Achan. Look at what happened. We ought to, instead of thinking about just about Achan and his wife and his kids, and I understand, think about that, but think about the 36 families that lost somebody. Think about the 36 men who died. But all of us said sin. What it could I mean, and I was just trying to think of a good example. And you know, the truth is, I could give some real life examples, but I really, I really don't want to do that because I don't want to try to be, you know, judge and everything. But I got to think about it. You know, what if my sin of not sharing the gospel with someone is why they don't get their life on track, and maybe the father ends up killing the mother. All right, these things happen all the time. Father kills the mother, which results in him going to prison. Now, because I didn't share the gospel, that man never received Christ. He had no hope. Committed sin. He ended up killing his wife. Now his children, they don't have their parents. The children, chances are they're going to grow up bitter and angry, which very well could result in them turning to a life of crime. Think about it. That could happen right here. I mean, what if I decide, you know what? I'm done. I'm done serving God. I'm tired of it. Things aren't going the way I want to. I give up. My wife and I, we start having problems. I lose it one day. I finish her off. And then my kids, you don't think that's going to affect them? You don't think that's going to change their outlook on life? I've got five kids. And think about it, I'm trying to raise them to serve God because, man, you know, right now, you know, it's just me, but boy, if I can get five of them serving God and they can raise me, we can maybe have an impact. But if I go and do the opposite, they could very easily, they don't have to, but they very easily go another direction and who knows what kind of sins they'll commit. Maybe they give up, they get, they get out of church, they quit serving God. Chances are, if they get out of church, quit serving God, they're going to get with the wrong guy or girl. Start having kids out of wedlock. They don't raise them right. They don't train them right. And they end up doing who knows what. I mean, you see what I'm trying to say? That you can only imagine really what one sin can cause to happen. You just, we don't know. It's just all, it's, it's all a chain reaction. It's never just one sin. It never is. And when we read these stories in the Old Testament, what I hope it does is, I hope it doesn't cause you to question God and get mad at God. What it needs to do, what all this stuff we read in the Old Testament ought to do, when we see the people getting stoned, when we see you know the whole nations being wiped out and all these things happening, what it ought to cause us to do is to just get mad at sin. The reason God would tell them to go and wipe all these people out is because these people were cursed. They were serving other gods. And every time Israel kept people around that were serving other gods, Israel ended up serving those gods too. 
which would result in Israel going into captivity, which would result in some wars where many of them would die, sometimes in the thousands. And it's just, it's just if you, if you can you imagine if if you ever sat down in the Bible and just kind of drew out a diagram of the chain reaction and what it did. Oh, we can't do it. We can't even comprehend it. It eventually is going to lead. Eventually, all this sin that's been going on that we've all contributed to, by the way, it's going to lead to the Battle of Armageddon. And many people that are going to hell, they're they're in hell. A lot of people don't want to have anything to do with church. Want to have anything to do with Christ because they don't like Christians. Because you know what? Sometimes we're not the most likable people in the world. I'm not saying we're in this to be liked, but boy, we don't want to be you know sour grumps that nobody wants to be around. <laughs> and I mean, we we have no idea. And it's like, well, I've already committed all these sins. What can I do now? Well, you know, I'm probably going to commit sins in the future. What can I do? You know what? Just ask God for mercy every day. Admit, realize just how much of a sinner you are. Realize how serious it is, and beg and just beg God for mercy. And if you do that, and if you take it serious, it will help you avoid sins. I love the verse in the Bible that talks about he that show. I'm not going to quote it right, but teaches somebody the error of their ways. I'm talking about when somebody gets saved, also. It saves the soul from hell and it covers a multitude of sins. Every time somebody comes in this church and they get saved, okay, they they're still going to be sinners. They're still going to have some issues. But if they really got saved, they're not going to sin as much as they would have. Realize when that per when anytime somebody gets saved, a multitude of sins that were going to be committed are now not going to be committed. And that's exciting. And you know what? In our country and in this area, there's a lot of sin going on. And we can stop some of it by keeping ourselves clean and by winning more people to Christ. And that's what we've got to get busy doing. So let's all stand together tonight.